The podcast that was shut down by the police for two years is back. And nothing is off limits. And nothing is off limits. Broadcasting live from coast to coast and across the globe. Hot Tub Trash Talk. Hot Tub Trash Talk with Kyle and Samantha. Ah, well, we're back. It's been two years. Two long years. <laughs> oh, I've waited for this moment for so long. Listen, it's like we were over before we even really got started. I know, like really. Like, this, is like uh, our, this is like a grand reopening. Gosh. Oh, this is how I feel like my thighs are every day. Okay. <laughs> grand reopening. I'm still a whore. Nothing's changed. Well, yeah. Some things have changed oh. in the world, but not Kyle. No. All right. So, uh so where have you been? You've been gone for two years. I've been in Indianapolis, you know. Oh. Um, you, were you on vacation? Uh, I was on a missionary trip. Um, is, is, is that what they call being on your knees? Is that missionary? I don't actually uh, know. Okay. No, missionary is just when you're laying on your back and somebody's on top of you. You really don't know that? I, I'm gay. I know doggy style. Uh, that's it? That's all you guys do? <laughs> that's it. I don't, that's all I do. <laughs> Boring. Well, it's kind of funny. It's a, kind of a long story. And I... So I kind of predicted it. I don't even know. It's so weird. So the last episode, I was joking about going to jail. And I was like, oh, I'm going to go there one day because I do all these bad things. And, well, that's where I ended up. Little did you know that that was actually going to become the reality. And it's not like (laughs) when I said that I was joking, I wasn't planning a crime. I wasn't like, hey, guys, I'm I'm literally about to go to prison. (laughs) Bye. I was joking, but it became real. Oh, my gosh. So, like. So, so, I mean, for people that don't know, like what, what happened to actually land you in prison? I kind of robbed a bank. And how do you kind of rob a bank? Like, Well, you know, sometimes you just, I don't know. It's such a complicated story. So I won't, I don't know how detailed I want to get into it, but basically well, what, why are you looking well, at me? That's like fine. That? Okay. Like, so, you know, mental health played a big part into it. And so I went in and I robbed a bank, but I used a note. It wasn't violent. So it was a nonviolent crime. It was my first offense. So I got, basically I got two years. Well, I got two years and three months, but I only had to do 75%. Wait, I got, this is what happened. I got sentenced to three years, but I only had to do 75% of that. And then I got a three month time cut. So I did two years and now here I am. Oh, that, that's not that bad to be honest. I mean, mm-hmm. it could have been a lot worse. That's what everybody said. Everybody that I encountered was like, you could have got so much more time. You were so lucky, like blah, blah, blah. But anyway, I've been home for like 10 days. So. <laughs> well, we're excited to have you back. And It's weird. Oh, so, I mean, just, I don't know, like walk us through the process. Like what, what happened? Like what happened from the moment of the arrest? The only reason I'm just like, uh, is because I've told this story so many times while I was in jail and prison because everybody asks me, everybody's so fascinated by it. I think there's something about not just robbery, but like bank robbery, like something, there's something that's been glamorized about it. People just think it's so like cool and amazing. And it's really not, you know, like that, like this whole experience, I don't want to make light of it because it was really traumatic, you know, for me and my family and my friends, you know, it was hard, you know, but, um, so I don't know. I just, I don't know. I don't want to ever feel like I'm talking like, you know what I'm saying? I mean, I, I think, I think it's good. I mean, at, at least when people ask about it, you can just refer them to this. You won't have to ever explain it again. I know that's why I'm, I'm writing a book about it, but so I just had, I've always not really felt like the fear of consequence. I've always had that mentality. I've definitely have some sort of mental health issues. I definitely have some sort of, 
I don't really know. I've never been properly diagnosed. That's still a work in progress right now. But I just, I had some money issues and I was, you know, I don't know how much I really want to talk about the specifics of the mental health part. But anyway, I, I wasn't really in my, my, my right state of mind. And anyway, I went and I robbed a bank and I just, you know, I went in with a note and said, give me your money because I know that people are trained to give you money. You know what I mean? I would never hurt anybody. It's not like I was like, I'm going to kill you if you don't give me your money. I was not a violent person. I don't know. I'm not trying to justify what I did, but I just feel like that's important for me to say. I agree. I mean, I, I definitely think that that's an important piece to it. And I think that's a big part of my sentencing too. That's why I, I on, quote, only got two years. When I first met my lawyer, the first thing she said when she walked into my office, like to, into her office to meet me, she said, before she even said her name or anything, she said, you're lucky you didn't have a gun because you'd be looking at decades instead of years. I was like, oh, nice to meet you too. Oh my God. <laughs> that was the first, I can't yeah, believe that was, was the first thing she said. She was apparently like a notorious alcoholic. Like, so that oh. was fun. And I would tell people her name and who my lawyer was and they'd be like, oh, good luck with that. And I'm just like, oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> She's notorious for being bad. <laughs> well, you know, but I mean, that's kind of what's screwed up about the whole system is like, I feel like if you can't afford an attorney and you're appointed a public defender, like you, you get the alcoholic with all the problems and. And I think that people in certain jobs like that, they get burnt out or they have bad experiences with a few people. Like, I'm not just not talking about lawyers. I'm talking about anybody that kind of works in the system. I'm talking about police officers, the counselors in prison and everybody in between. And I think they have, you know, like those one or two bad apples and those bad experiences. And then everybody suffers because of that, because they, you know, they get burnt out and they, I don't know. They just kind of get stuck in, in a way, an assumption of how everybody is, and mm -hmm. they just treat you like you know, what they think before they even really hear you out, listen to your story, um, and they just don't really care. I don't I know. Like, the counselors in prison, they just seem like they did not want to be there. They did not give a fuck about you. I almost had to go to a halfway house instead of my actual house because my counselor didn't do her job right. And she even told me that she even, all she said was, well, sorry about your luck. Just next time you, you next time you commit a crime, don't cross state lines. I, I mean, and that's a really shitty thing to say. Like, you know, I feel like people, when they think of, you know, prison, no one thinks it's a great thing, but they, I feel like people think, well, at least they're going to get the care that or they the want. Help that they and, need. Like, they're going to get all this stuff that they need and deserve. And like, from hearing you talk and what you went through, like, that is not the case at all. I mean, Kyle <laughs> has been there for the past two. I talked to him every day for the past two years. So it's not like we're like getting re we're reunited in person, but he kind of knows everything. Yeah. We, we talked kinda, every day and we heard the struggles. And I mean, it was, it was crazy. <laughs> like <laughs> and expensive. Oh, yeah. The, 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 like, don't even get me started. The company that owns these phone systems, like they're just rich. I mean, Kyle had to like literally add, like add me into his budget plan. Like yeah, how I mean, much he was giving me money and stuff. And it was crazy. And it's not even like I was living this lavish life. It was just for the basic necessities. But I feel like I'm getting ahead of myself. I, I'm, I'm like, there's so much I want to talk about. There's so much to talk about. Like, what do we even, oh, where do it's, we even start? It's, it's so bad. So like, I mean, just speaking of like the counselors and that, like when it came towards the end of everything and you were looking at getting out and, um, you know, what all did you have to do? I mean, you, you know, it was in Indiana and you live in Ohio. So there was this whole thing of having to apply to come back mm -hmm. to Ohio because you, you were yeah. technically in Indiana. So it's called an interstate compact and it's, it's paperwork that your counselor should do, but they have to do it a certain amount of time before you get out. I think it was 120 or 140 days or something like that. And I went to her in that time frame, and I said, Oh, I'm in a time, so they have time cut programs. So once I graduated my little class, I was going to get a three-month time cut. And I told her, 
once that goes through, that puts me out on this day. So can you start my, my paperwork to transfer me back to Ohio? Cause I don't know anybody in Indiana. I had nowhere to live in Indiana. I just want to go home where my support system, my family, my job and everything I know is. And she said, well, it's a little too soon for that. Wait till your time cut officially goes through and then I'll do it for you. And I said, okay, you know, whatever. I go to her right after my time cut goes through and she said, you waited too long. I can't help you. It's, I federally can't help you after this time. Like there's nothing I can do. You, you waited too long. Like what? <laughs> like it was it was purposely designed to almost make it so they couldn't help you because like on on paper before you got the time cut you still had all this time and you couldn't apply for it but the second the time cut kicked in oh exactly. now it's too late exactly it was just a shit show and I looked at her and I was like I so I have to go to a halfway house I mean because that's not fair because there are really people that need those beds in the halfway house and I am not one of those people especially because a lot of those halfway houses are designed for sober living and I do not have any problems with alcohol or drug like dependency or substance abuse and so I feel like I was t one that would be taking away a bed from somebody that really needed it and two why I I don't want to be living in like a I don't want to say homeless shelter, but you know, like a halfway house or homeless shelter when I have a home and I have a life to go to just because you failed to do your job right. And all she, like I said, all she said was, well, next time don't cross state lines. I had, to, I called my probation officer and luckily she helped. She was amazing. She was like the one, uh, she was my, she was my fairy godmother. Oh, why didn't it work? <laughs> I was Ooh, your, your very godmother <laughs> didn't work. I was trying to hit buttons to make a sparkly sound, and it didn't work. Oh, no. I'm oh, sorry. We're a little rusty. <laughs> anyway, she did it all for me. But if And another thing is my mom had to call the probation officer for me, and she kind of did it for me. And for people that don't have a support system on the outs, which is very common, you know, a lot of people don't get money like that, or they've burnt all their bridges because of what they you know, drug abuse makes you a different person. It makes you, you know what I mean? So if you don't have anybody to help you, you're fucked. Because there was no way that I could have picked up the phone and called the probation office. Somebody I mean, the, the system's me. designed the, to pretty much keep you in it. Like, mm. it, it, it is a business. I mean, it is. It is. And you would not believe how expensive prison is. I don't know where your tax dollars are going because they, I mean, they really don't supply you with, you know, I don't I don't know how to explain yeah. it. So, I mean, I feel like, I feel like the, pub, the public thinks that, you know, oh, in prison, you get three meals a day and you, you know, sleep on a nice bed and they're going to feed you and take care of you. But like the the lack of anything that you received was just astonishing. Yeah, I couldn't like, believe it. They would give you like 10 tampons a month, you know, like 10 pads a month, which, you know, for a girl like that might not be enough, you know, like that's not enough for me. And so you have to buy the extra. A lot of times you have to buy your extra toilet paper. You have to buy your bra, your underwear. And if you don't have money, then I guess you're going commando. Yeah. And, yeah. And and then when you were in jail, you had to buy, because you went to jail first and then got transferred to prison. So this is what happened. So when I robbed the bank, I, I'm going to, I'm going to, this might be a two-parter because I have a lot, I just have a lot going on and I'm very ADD. So I'm going to start from the beginning. So when I was going down, somebody had turned me in, somebody called and gave the detective my name and he started looking into me and I was like, okay, I'm going down, whatever. My dad called the detective and said, Sam wants to talk to you. And basically that was code word for Sam's coming in to confess. That's basically what it was. And the detective said, well, I'm in Washington, the state. Does she, she can either one, talk to somebody on my team and, you know, turn herself in now and get this started. Or she can wait for me to get back and talk to me directly. And that was kind of his nice way of saying she has one week left with her family, which is very, you don't really get that kind of leniency from police very often. I think, but he came over and I think he saw like my family was seemed stable and normal. And he said that it, I didn't seem like a flight risk. So I had one week left with my family and then I went to jail. 
where I did my confession and they put me in handcuffs and they took me to the drunk tank and the drunk tank is just an empty room with just like concrete benches and like a really thin mat and a toilet and a sink and that's it and there's a little slot in the door where they it's called the bean hole and that's where they slide your food in so I was in there for four days you don't shower or anything and like people are coming in and out you know people like getting arrested overnight like you know something minor like if they throw you in jail they get bailed out and I was just watching these people come and go and they were like oh are you the bank robber and but anyway it uh super embarrassing to have to like use the bathroom in front of somebody so there's just saying like that but you get over it real quick because you have to um but where was i where was i going with this where was i going with this? I'm like dying and i'm like <laughs> where was i going with this we were talking about just transfer from jail to prison oh just about when i first got to jail and so they put you in these orange scrubs they're very thick, very boxy, and they're unisex, and they they are not new. They've been <laughs> worn before, so it's kind of gross because you, they don't give you they didn't give me a bra or underwear, so I'm commando in these old, nasty, used oranges. So we just call them oranges. Oh. So that was and you only so after four days in the drunk tank, I got moved to like what's called general population, where you you know you have your bed and you're in your bunks or whatever, and it's just it's just this big open space of thirty two bunk beds. Well, thirty two beds, so sixteen bunk beds. So I got I went to my bunk bed, and they had just submitted commissary, so they I could not I could not get commissary for like another week, so I could not I had to wait like nine or ten days to get commissary, and. These girls were like, oh, here, do you want to use the shampoo? Do you want to use this? Do you want to use that? And I was like, no, 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 that's okay. Because I didn't want to be anybody's bitch. I didn't want to owe nobody nothing. I didn't want to. I was like, you know, like this is a form. It's a weird world. It's a new world you step into when you go to jail. It's crazy. So you didn't even have shampoo and the basics. They gave, So you, they're supposed to give you a tiny vial of shampoo, like like a hotel one, and a tiny sh- conditioner and a tiny toothbrush, a tiny toothpaste and a tiny comb. They're supposed to give that to you. And I, the other girls that were coming into the jail with me got that, but they just kind of skipped me and they just forgot me. And so I was like, oh, no, like it's okay. And they were like, oh, please, I insist. And I'm thinking like there's ulterior motives because my dad, who was very dramatic, he was like, "There, nope, they're, you're not there to make friends. They'll gain your trust and rob you blind and blah, 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 blah. No, 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 no. And I'm like my dad's got me thinking that everybody's going to be out to shank me or whatever. Because my dad <laughs> used to work in a prison. So I'm just sitting here thinking like, oh, my God, I'm going to be fighting for my life for the next few years. <laughs> it's going to be the Hunger Games. <laughs> <laughs> but actually, everybody is 99% of the people were really cool. They're just they're normal people just like you. You know what I mean? Like I my I kind of thought I was going to be the exception of a normal person. Like I'm the normal person. I'm going to be surrounded by crazies. But I mean, it's really just normal people that have fallen on hard times. And they understand like, you know, like they had a similar experience when they came in and they just you know, people are really, really cool. So, yeah. I'm just, I'm, I'm just, I'm still just baffled by the fact that you know, they didn't provide you with any of the basic necessities. You had to buy everything. And, and I, it's expensive. It's like gas station prices. I yeah. Say. I mean, it, it, it's crazy. I remember the cost for a brawl being like triple for what it should have mm-hmm. been. And it, you just told us it was the basic, basic white bra, white sweatpants, white shirt, just basic stuff. And then when they moved you from the jail to prison, they took everything. So you're not allowed to take anything with you when you go to, when you go to jail from prison. And what's weird is when, so when I'm in jail, I'm waiting for my, um, my sentencing, you know, they're doing the the prosecutor, the detective, they're doing a plea agreement and blah, blah, blah. I, they come to me with a plea agreement and I deal with, I accept it three years, which is, I actually only did two years, but um, and three years of probation. And so I got sentenced. And then, so once you get sentenced, you're just waiting and they don't tell you when you're going to prison because they don't want you to be able to plan an escape. So, um, the morning of, 
You can barely plan how to get a brawl. They think you're going to plan to plan an escape. But it's kind of crazy. Like it's kind of crazy. Um, they do. It's called a ride out when they ride you out from the jail to prison. Which Indiana women, Indiana, which is where I got arrested, has three women's prisons, and everybody goes to Rockville first. And it's kind of like you go through intake, which is like the Sorting Hat from Harry Potter. But for what prison you're going to go to, because each prison's kind of different. And so I got transferred there, and um, I forgot I was going to say something. Um, yeah, you, you can't take anything with you. And so you, when you get there, you have to buy it all over again. But it's kind of weird because you're sitting in your bunk and you don't know when you're going to prison. You just know they're going to come get you one day and they always do it in the morning. So one day there's a little speaker that, you know, th- they can talk to everybody at five o'clock in the morning, Samantha Wyatt, pack up, you're riding out. And like, you know, you're going to prison and that's such a crazy feeling. Like you wake up and you're like in jail is obviously kind of intimidating if you've never been there. But jail and prison are two very different things. A lot of people c- kept saying, oh, Sam's in jail, Sam's in jail. No, I was in prison. You know, that's different. That is a whole other world because jail is short term and prison, that's people's homes. People are there and they are never getting out. And that's just, so it's it's a very different atmosphere. It's a very different world. So getting transferred there, I, it was just, it was very like, your stump, your heart drops to your stomach when you hear them calling you out and you know you're going to prison. And it's just like such a crazy feeling. That, that's just crazy that, you know, they just randomly pick you up in the middle of the night and take you somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I know you, um, I know you got sorted and did you get the prison that you wanted? Like, well, I don't know what the benefit of the other ones were. So they're all different. So Rockville was kind of like a lot of long-termers and Rockville it felt like you were in the Hunger Games, like underneath a dome. Like there, it was very flat. There was no, there was no buildings or trees. It was all just flat land. It felt like you were in like a video game that the creators hadn't like finished editing the landscape. It felt very weird, but um, it they each have their pros and cons. Like Rockville was very strict, but you knew what to expect, and there was um, consistency. IWP is very lenient. Like um, IWP is Indiana Women's Prison in Indianapolis, and that is initially where I, that's where I ended up. And it's a maximum security prison. <laughs> um, so Rockville and IWP are max security, and then there's Madison, which is minimum security. I would have been eligible for uh, Madison, the minimum security, but because I was on one antidepressant, I had to go to max. That's crazy. <laughs> one antidepressant. That like, that was the game who, changer. You, who the fuck is not on antidepressants anymore? You know what I'm saying? I agree. I feel like every, it's like the housewife drug. So I had to go to a max. It's actually, <sighs> I think you turned my mic off, ding dong. You turned my mic off. Now I can still hear you. Oh, anyway. <laughs> Gosh, we are just incompetent. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> We're such a mess. Uh, what was I talking about? <laughs> Why is it spicy? <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. Uh, that's my favorite. <laughs> that's my my go-to sound right now. Um, uh, I feel like I'm just like I just start I just started talking and I don't stop. We're all over the place. I know it's just a lot <laughs> of information. It's just a lot to say. It's, uh, also, it's a lot to go over. I, I, I'm just I don't know. Every time that you called me, I was baffled about something new. Um, it was very baffling. Like oh, the, and then like COVID started. Like so, I was not in the world at all for COVID. I did not experience the empty marketplaces or I did not, I did not experience the quarantining in your house or the, like, I didn't experience any of that. The only thing I experienced was we had to wear a mask because we were like a government facility. And so even when like the, the mask mandate, like was like, you know, no longer initiated in the real world, like we had, I had to wear that. I had to wear the mask 24 seven, unless I was in my bed, 24 seven in the shower. (laughs) (laughs) So that was kind of weird. And you had to quarantine at like almost Uh, like constantly. 
I could have gotten out earlier if it wasn't for COVID because it stopped all programs because the teachers couldn't come in and out. The only people that could come in and out was the COs and they didn't want us my, cause there's all these different buildings. There's like 13 different buildings in the prison. So like I'm on five and like, they didn't want us mingling with the other dorms cause COVID was spreading and they just kept us in our rooms. We were actually on the news because of the conditions. They were so bad. Um, cause they locked us in our rooms and, we had these tiny little windows and they opened up like you couldn't fit out of them. They're just like the size of like a paperback book. And because they weren't letting people go to the bathrooms, people were peeing in cups and pouring it out the window. And it was so hot. People were having heat strokes and seizures. Like it was just truly just a fucking fuck. Like, Oh my God. Um, but uh, yeah, so quarantine COVID did affect my life. I just didn't experience the way other people did, but it did affect my life in the sense that I initially my prison because prison has, you know, they have a rec, they have a rec yard, they have a library, they have um, people that come in, you can do like poetry classes or like art classes, you can do things, but uh, and they sometimes like the prison will pay for, they'll do like Rib City where they'll have like a rib fest and like, they bring like food trucks in and stuff like just every now and then just something for the prisoners, which I know a lot of people have conflicted feelings about that because they feel like their tax dollars are being wasted, but you know, whatever. Um, but because of that, because of COVID, I didn't, get to, nothing like that happened. I was pretty much like in solitary confinement in my room, but with three other people, because it's four man rooms. So it was basically like a lot of my stay, I was pretty much in, just in my room. I couldn't do anything. I could not go outside. I couldn't, they brought our food to us. So it, it just made it really hard. And it's just, I don't know. It's just crazy that, um, I mean, you couldn't do anything. You couldn't, you didn't have any of the programs, which gave you the time cuts, um, you were constantly wearing masks and I mean, you didn't, you really didn't get to do anything. You didn't have in-person visits. We couldn't come visit you. Nope. I didn't see, I have, I, I went two years without physically seeing any of my loved ones. Yeah. There was no, vi no visits. I mean, so. you could do telephone calls and video calls, but they, they charged you for that. And so. they're really terrible quality. So it's almost, and it's almost depressing to do them because it's almost like a little tease of home. And it would, I would be happy in the moment I was on the video visits, but then when I got off of them, I was just depressed. So in the end, I just ended up not doing them. And that kind of, that's just, I just didn't like to do them. I, I mean, it, it's wild because it would have been free to come visit you. It would have been free. We could have saw each other and actually, I don't know, gotten something. But at the end, at the very end of my stay, they had opened up in-person visits, but you had to sit six feet apart and you couldn't even hug them or anybody. I'm not, you cannot tell me that my mom or my best friend's going to walk in this door and I haven't seen them in two years. I'm not going to hug them. You're not allowed. I mean, no, I'm not doing that. That'd be torture. I would rather just wait. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I agree. So, oh, I don't know. I, I just, there's so many things about it that I'm just kind of, I'm kind of upset. I, I'm upset for you about like, <laughs> I, I can't believe like, I, I just can't believe they didn't give you the basic necessities. And like, it, it's really designed to turn a profit. Like they're just, they are making money off of people's misfortunes. And can I just say like, it was so hard, especially in jail, because when you're in jail, you, there's no windows or anything. You do not see outside and not seeing the outside for six months it, it like really, really fucks with you. I, it's very strange. And I remember like getting in the car after six months, going from the jail to the prison, which by the way, I remember that day so specifically because I remember the guards that were working were like, are you doing some sort of social experiment? Like, are you really, are you really like going, are you really They thought criminal? you were like an undercover person. Yeah. They're like, are you a journalist? Are you? And I'm like, 
And I, you would not believe how often I got asked that. Because, and I got, I, you know, I got to the prison and they do have a high turnover rate of employees, but a lot of them, some of them have been there a long time and they're like, you just, and I, I cannot tell you how many times I heard, like, what are you doing here? Like, you do not fit in. Like, you are not the typical inmate that we have. Well, they don't say inmate. They say offender, which I, I'd rather go by inmate because offender <laughs> makes me think of sex offender, but whatever. Um, they're like, you're not our typical person. And I'm just like, there's nothing, there's nothing different about me or you. I don't, I don't understand. That's wild. They did the, did some of the inmates think this too? Oh uh, yes, I mean I everybody everybody. A lot of people thought I was sixty days in. I don't know if you know what that is, but uh, it's, the show, right? And yeah, so it's, it's funny because sixty days in the first season was filmed in Indi- in Indiana, Clark County, which was nearby the county that I was arrested in. And so people thought I was sixty days in, but then I was like, you know, like look look me up. Like I'm on the, like I was on the news, having people look me up and. People and they call you a plant, like you've been you've been implanted, you've been planted into the jail to like you know. So a lot of people call me a plant, or um, and I was kind of nervous about that because I was like, what if somebody like really f- like fucks me yeah, up? Yeah, I mean, somebody could think you're they you know, truly spy. think that I'm yeah because and there's something about my face where people just want to tell me all their secrets, and so I'm like, stop telling me these things because then <laughs> you're gonna think that I'm this person, and then you told me all these, and uh-huh. I'm alive. I don't want to, don't I don't don't bring me in your bullshit. Don't tell me about your future plans. I'm doing this and this when you get out. Like I don't want to know. <laughs> I don't know. No. Oh my god! What people had people had crazy plans when they got out. Yes, listen, like people were like asking me like to do this robbery with them when I got out. <gasps> do this and that with them, and I'm just oh like, no. God. What is wrong with you? Oh my gosh! No, oh get my, away from me. Oh my god! This did you ever see the Oceans movies? Like Oceans Thirteen. Um, like I that don't kind really of what's what that reminds me of. They planned those like heists while they were in prison from their last uh, heist. <laughs> it was really like that, and I'm just like, I have my fingers in my ears, like la 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 la. la. I gotta be a good girl now. And I think Kyle's noticed. Like I'm being so good. Like, I know. I, I'm usually like very. Uh, I don't know how to. You say even it. put the cart back at the grocery like, yeah, store. Yeah, like I gotta be a good member of society. I can't go back to prison. <laughs> I to, yeah, I put the cart back. I put the things back. Like if I grab something, and don't put it in the right spot. I don't, I don't know. I just feel like I've changed. Can I smoke my jewel in here? Yeah, of course. Is that an indoor thing? Jewels were not really, I never really fucked with them before. Yeah, they're, they're, they're a thing. You can. There's so many, like, the world is not that different, but the, it's, it's really weird to be out. There are things that are, oh. yeah. everything's so fucking expensive. <laughs> I got a Lunchable, it was like 250 I don't even know what they used to be. I don't know. Probably two fifty. Sure, the two fifty. I don't know. I just never paid attention to prices before because I stole everything. But now I can't do that anymore because I that is not worth the risk. I'm not going back to prison for stealing like a three dollar deodorant from Walmart. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like I was definitely a kleptomaniac. I, I mean, I I'm not even gonna lie. I I think that's a big part of like, you know, they say like weed is a gateway drug to mm. heroin or whatever. I feel like you know stealing little things here and there. It was a gateway like drug to give me that confidence to go into the bank and rob it because I was stealing so much all the time. And so that that's it's that, that, those days are over and I'm realizing how expensive shit really is. Mm. How does that jewel taste? It's not I don't even know if it's working. Why is it spicy? <laughs> Why is it not working? <laughs> it should light up I think when you Okay, there. it did something. There you go. Okay, it's anyway, working now. So we, so we 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 announced that we were returning this podcast online and mm-hmm. we asked people to kind of give us questions and um And real quick, I just want to say like I'm sorry that I'm talking about this uh, my I feel like this is all about me. But I, I mean, got, it, like it I said like I said, like I just kind of want to get this out of the way. I want there to be a little bit of transparency because like, literally, literally everybody knows, you know, it's not a secret and it's, it is what it is. I can't be ashamed of it. I can't worry about it. I just got to move on and just, I just kind of want to get it out of the way because I don't want to be, 
that girl that's always talking about like that one time in prison, that one time in prison. I, you know, I'm more than that, but I do just want to get it out of the way. And I, I don't mind if anybody asks me these questions. Like, I, I think it can be informative. And it's, yeah, sometimes like, yeah. Yeah. I feel like I, I just feel like there's so many things that people think this is what prison is and what jail is because of TV shows and society. Here's the thing. People don't think about injustice unless it affects them and or not even injustice. That's a quote from somebody. But people don't think about things that are out of sight, out of mind. Like, you know, if if you don't know somebody that is being held in an immigration detention center, it doesn't affect you. It's out of sight, out of mind. Are people starving in other countries and blah, 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 blah. And I'm not saying prison is like, you know, those things are a lot worse, I think, than prison. But when you don't know somebody that's incarcerated or when you've never been incarcerated, like you don't think about it. And it truly is so fucked up the way they get your hooks in you with that probation and not giving you the proper, you know. I, I do think there there's a little bit of effort. Like somebody's trying, but... Man, they are failing. They are real. It is just a failure. And I don't know what the answer is, but prison is not the answer. It's almost like they got rid of they got rid of asylums. You know, they don't really have asylums anymore. So they take the crazy people because a lot of charges are mental health related, drug related, mental health related. You know, usually both because you know they correlate. And so it's kind of like they're just sweeping these people under the rug, out of society, out of out of sight, out of mind. Like you know, but those are people you can't throw away. People, you just can't. Sorry, I just got. Really no, angry. no, it's, it's a passionate subject, and I mean, you're right. A lot of the things that you you know you told me that some of the people said about their crimes and things like that, like they were definitely mental health issues. I don't even like. To, I never really was a huge fan of true crime podcasts and shows and stuff before, but I'm really not anymore because now it's become more three dimensional to me. Like I've seen both sides of the stories of you know the 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 victim and the you know the person that did it, and it just. It ruins one crime does not just ruin the victim's life. It ruins so many lives. And so I just don't even like to, it just prison has changed my perspective on a lot of things. Like, like my, I definitely, it has definitely changed me. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you ever, I don't know if you believe that people can change, but I, I know I, I do because I, and in the, in, in the end of the day, prison was like probably a blessing in disguise. Cause I was heading down a bad road. You know what I'm saying? Like, it just and it makes you grateful for your things. Like you do not realize like how amazing life is. Like life is so fun. And I remember getting out and everything was just colorful and it's just just everything. I remember you sending me the picture in the grocery store just saying you were excited to be able to pick out your own shampoo. I know I was in the and shampoo aisle and I was like, look at all these options. And I, I remember just it is I'm just so excited to be home. I'm just so excited to be home. Mm-hmm. I am so grateful for my life. And We're, I never would have felt that. It's it, great gratitude, expressing gratitude. It's not like a thing that you do. It's a thing that you feel. And it's just, it's, 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 it's better than happiness. Gratitude is better than happiness. And mm. I would never have felt that. I would never have said these things two years ago. I agree. I don't think, I don't think you would have. So, you know, I think I, you know, I don't think I found myself in prison because I, I do feel very lost at times, but I don't know. Just when you have nothing to do but sit in a room and, you can choose to either rot and ferment in your own misery and, you know, your problems and your past, or you can work on yourself. And because I didn't have that therapy, I didn't have that, I didn't have that help that I thought I would get. So I would go to the library whenever the library did eventually open up when COVID like let, you know, let go. But I, re- I read a lot of self-help books and stuff. And I know, I don't even know what we were talking about, but I just, I, there's a lot to talk about in the prison, so like when I'm this episode, so I would just kind of get sidetracked. But anyway, go ahead. 
So we we did ask a lot. We did ask people, you know, to submit questions because we realized that, you know, there's a lot out there from movies and just things people think and hear about it um, and to just Mm -hmm. ask questions and we would have them answered. So um, a lot of these were from your coworkers, wasn't it? Yeah. We didn't get a lot of online questions, but. Yeah, I was able to form a lot of these from. Uh, some of the questions were kind of the same. That's why yeah, they're kind of the same. So spectrum. I, I like I had a lot of the same question in my inbox, and I just kind of so I'm just gonna. It's all very Hollywood related because that's like the only references people have. And I do want to say I think that every prison is different. There's maximum and there's minimum and the area that you live in and the type of people that are there. So this is just my experience. I'm not like this is prison. Dot, like period. So this is just my prison experience at Indiana Women's Prison, which is actually the very first women's prison in the country. And it's a pretty notorious one. There was actually a documentary saying it was America's most dangerous pr- women's prison, which I think is kind of funny because I was I never felt like I was in danger. danger. <laughs> oh. I've always been very talented. I don't know if talent is the right word, but I've always gotten along with people from all walks of life. And somebody actually wrote me a letter. One of my friends wrote me a letter and she said, I'm not worried about you at all because I know you get along with anybody you can find common ground with anybody. And I th- that was a huge gift in prison. So Yeah, I mean, I would imagine if you didn't get along with people, you wouldn't get along with so certain cliques, think, their friends. Yeah, so I think my experience might have been better because I had that ability, whereas some anybody else that's going in there that didn't have that ability to get along with other people from, you know, all walks of life, I don't know what your experience would be like, but this is just mine. So you can go ahead. Okay, you, you have the questions written down? Yeah, so um, the... How the orange is the new black experience versus reality? Oh, I don't know. Like, what's the question? So, just like what what's on orange? What's on the show versus what I experienced? Yeah. Well, like I said, there's maximum and there's minimum security. So, orange is the new black. The prison in that show is a minimum security prison. Actually, I think it was a federal prison. I'm not sure, but it's one or the other, and they're different. Maximum security, you there is not that freedom to walk around and go to a rec for hours, go to the library whenever you want. Everything is like boom, 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 scheduled, scheduled, scheduled. Um, so that was pretty much the only difference. But what Orange is the New Black definitely got right, and this was not just for Hollywood, this was not for a show, sex everywhere, oh. all the time. Girlfriends, girlfriends, girlfriends. That about mm, about about nine hundred women in that prison. There was probably about forty women that were not gay. At least gay. At least not gay for this day, because people would be gay. Oh, it's got people, a term. People would, yeah. So people would have husbands and kids, and they would never have been with a woman in their life. But they get lonely in prison, so they're gay for this day. And then when they go home, like they go back to the normal life. Oh my god. Yeah, my I had a bunkie, and she made her money because she didn't have family to make money. She made her money by making these by making dildos and selling them. Strap-ons. Oh she my would God! Make them. What what do you make a dildo out of? So she prison? would she would put like a, something something hard like a pin or like a like the top like a spork and then she would crochet around it and then put like a glove or latex around it. Oh my God! So yeah, creative. And she'd be like, "What do you think of this one? What do you think of this one?" I'm like, "Looks great." <laughs> <laughs> Wait, like she designed them. <laughs> I know she's like, "Is this too big? Is this too small? Is this too, I don't know." I'm like, "I'm." I'm <laughs> There's the right know. thing for everybody, I guess. <laughs> uh, yeah. So. Um, Crocheting is a very big thing in prison, by the way. Anyway, oh. but yeah, but Orange is the New Black, that, that is not an exaggeration. That's not, I mean, people are having sex left and right in there. They have, the guards will come through and do, like, you'll be taking a shower and they'll just open the, the curtain and be like, shower check. Oh, I hit the mic. <laughs> they'll be like, shower check. And I'm just like, ah! And they're like, oh, thanks for being alone in there. And I was like, I'm, oh I'm not God. gay. <laughs> I, and everyone's like, you're not, you're not even a little gay? And I'm like, no. And I always kind of wondered, like, you know, like, would, would, would I convert 
to being gay for this day? Because even if you listen to the last episode, I was like, I wonder if I'd be a lesbian if I ever went to jail. The answer is no. The answer is no. The answer is no. I, oh. I, I am. I'm only attracted to men. Who, who would have thunk? <laughs> but, um, this is crazy. So they just had sex everywhere, like everywhere, everywhere the imaginable. The only drama, yeah, drama. It was girlfriends. Girl, it was all about girlfriends. It was that's that was just the social structure. This this person is with this person. This was with this person, and you can't talk to them because that's what, that's that's her ex. And it, it was just writing like mail because there was all these different dorms. So getting mail to the other girlfriends and like drawing hearts in the window so they could see in the other dorm. Like that's all it was about. And they were just having sex left and right. Like my friend, like I remember she'd be like, okay, like I'm going to be in my, you know, like, can you not come into the room for a few minutes? And I'm like, I got you girl. And then I'd come in the room and I'd be like, I smell sex and candy. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> and she's like, stop. I, I would come into the room and be like, why is it spicy? <laughs> why is it spicy? <laughs> spicy sex. So oh. that is, Orange is New Black nailed that. That is accurate. Now I know you fuck. went to a women's prison, but I'm, I'm sure they know people that went to men's prisons. Is, is it the same way? Because I hear the stereotype about men's prisons too. So I don't, I obviously don't know, but I, what I, what I have heard from people that, you know, because a lot of times people get arrested together, like they're with their partner. Yep. And I heard that it's, I think it's a lot harder to go to a men's prison. I think the, I think it's, there's more physical violence, whereas women are more manipulative. So you got to be worried, like a man might punch you in the face, but a woman, she's going to, she's going to frame you for something and try to get more time tapped to your stay. It's, so, you know what I mean? Like it's different. It's, yeah. It's not like, oh, like they're going to beat my ass or they're going to rape me, um, which rape did. I, somebody did get raped when I was in the prison. Oh. A woman, a girl did get raped. She was like a little stud and she was really, you know, sweet and cute. And like, I, I mean, I don't I don't want to go into the details about it because it's not my story to tell. But like some they did rape her. They, they sodomized her. So oh that's, my that's a thing. That's a thing. Yeah. I didn't, <sighs> and I think it's just women just I don't know. But that's that was very out of the ordinary. You I mean, you hear that a lot, though. I mean. They're very big. They're very like you're not allowed to have sex in prison. I don't know if that's obvious, but you're not allowed um, because there's this thing called PREA and it's called the Prison Rape Elimination Act. And so any sort of sexual anything, because they say that you cannot consent as a prisoner, because especially with guards, which that is a thing, you know, people like guards hooking up with the girls and they keep it very secretive. But I have seen I have seen some of the men go to prison for hooking up with the women because it's considered rape because they are you know property of the state they do not have the right to consent because you are in a position of power over them so they might feel like they have to say yes you know what i'm saying that makes sense yeah so yeah i remember one time it was like three o'clock in the morning and one of the ia uh, ia ladies internal affairs like who investigate these things i remember she went to my neighbor's room and she came out carrying a ziploc bag with panties in it and was walking down the hall and i was like oh, shit. oh and no. then somebody got fired the other something's time. up <laughs> I was like, oh, shit. Sorry. Bill, Bill Clinton's <laughs> been here. Okay. I don't know. Anyway, so I would just say Orange is New Black. Um, it was, they, Orange is New Black seemed a lot more lenient. Like everything. I mean, there was a lot of things they did get right. The food was not as bad like, as you would think it was. I mean, it wasn't great. Don't get me wrong. But it wasn't like this gray slop. It was, you know. But so I would just say Orange is New Black might be more accurate for a minimum security prison. Okay. Well, I think that's good enough. That was a like, long ass answer. No, I mean question. that's a, I, I like that. It, it gets detailed. We go into more things. Um, what what would you say is the craziest thing that you experienced? This is easy. Oh, there, there, I guess there's a lot of other things. But so, when whenever COVID did not have us on lockdown, everybody has to have a job. You either have to have a job or you have to be in some sort of schooling because they have a. What's crazy about IWP is if you look at it like from a helicopter's like point of view. Um, I don't know why I said that because I guess like that's a bird's 
eye view. I don't know why I said <laughs> helicopter. If you look at it from above, if you are God and you were looking at Indiana's women's prison, it looks like a tiny little town. It's got its own little church. It's got its own little infirmary hospital. It's even got a jail within the jail because you got lock. That's a, that's a building, you know, solitary confinement. Um, so you have all these things. And um, what was the question? What is the craziest thing? Okay, yeah. So there is a unit. Like I said, there was 15, like 13, 14 little units. And there's a unit, and it's kind of like a special needs program where it's people who are particularly challenged in some sort of like mental way or physical way, that way they it's like a it's a dorm where it's designed so like they can get special help. Well, you have to have a job or be in class. And so they'll assign you to job. Like the, when I say job, I mean that prison's ran by the women. They do the maintenance. They fix the pipes. They mow the grass. They do everything. Everything. Sounds pretty butch. So it's kind of like, a, you know, like a, a well-oiled machine. They do everything. So you get assigned a job or you can do your time cut. And while I was on the waiting list to get into my time cut, which was a culinary class, which it was a three months for three months, but I'll get to that later. Um, I got assigned a job and I was considered a medical assistant. And I was like, that's kind of a strange job, you know, and <laughs> medical assistant. I didn't really quite understand what that meant, but I think it's just, they, they saw that I, me and my friend were kind of like, quote, like, I don't know, like we just seemed like good for the job. Like we seemed normal, trustworthy. We never got in trouble, never got in trouble. So I think that's how I got this job. And so basically uh, my job was primarily to help these elderly women that had been in there for a long time. And they're, you know, they're old women that need help. And it's, there was this blind woman, and she had blinded herself. She had took one of her eyes out and tried to take the other one out. But anyway, she was blind. She was in there for cutting her mom's head off with a pitchfork. And she just was very crazy. And she and I ended up getting along with her really well. She she even told me, she's like, she's like you know, they always, she say, they, say I, they say I have dementia, and they say I have um, schizophrenia, but I'm not any of those things. I'm just crazy. She, so she knows she's crazy. <laughs> she's self-identified. Yeah, she knows she's crazy. And so I, she would have her good days and bad days, but mostly it was bad days. But one day she was just really upset because we didn't have ice because you have to go to the ice house and get ice and there was no ice. And she was yelling at, like yelling in the building. She's like, I hope all you whores are enjoying your ice. And I'm like, why don't you, I was like, why don't you just chill out? And she's like, I would love to chill, but I don't have any ice. <laughs> and she was just like really freaking out. And there was this woman in there. And when I say this lady's crazy, like she thought that everybody was out to get her. She thought that the, her neighbor was the queen of evil and blah, 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 blah. And anyway, one day this guard, he was leaving and I was like, oh, who's coming in to take over your shift? He said, officer, nobody. I'm like, what? He's like, nobody's <laughs> coming in. And I was like, how's that? Pop you, you can't leave these people unattended. You know what I'm saying? And he just left. What? And this, and out of all the units, this is a unit where like there are, you know, this is some... I don't, I don't want to be the insensitive. The crazy unit. I don't want so to be insensitive, speak, yeah. but it's the crazy unit. These are people that have killed, you know, they, I, I don't even want to get into that. Cause it's like, I don't, I feel bad telling stories that aren't mine to tell, but these are people that have killed their kids and are not sorry about it. These are people that have, there was a woman in there and she called her husband and said, Oh, the kids are ready for, um, for school. Come get them. And she had dressed them up in their Easter. She had killed them and set them up on the couch in their, in their best clothes. Like they were alive waiting. Like just, these are crazy people. You know what I'm saying? Like the craziest of the crazy. Wow. So that's just one of many examples. And that's the unit that you're going to leave alone. You're going to like me. And they're like, he's like, you're in charge. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not. Um, and there was a girl in there and she thought there was something wrong with her. And she thought that if I went and held your hand or if you went to hold my hand, like you're, you are like 
you are molesting me. You are, you are raping me. Like, she's like, oh my, like, she thinks that if you went and touched like my shoulder or my leg, like she would think that I was in danger. So obviously she probably has some sort of past, you know what I mean? Yeah. But, um, so when the guard left, all the girlfriends are like, ooh, like the parents are gone. You know what I mean? So everyone's going into each other's rooms and this girl, she's like, stop, stop. You know, she's, oh my God, like she's being raped. Blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, why don't you just mind your own business? Like, you know, like I promise you they're fine. And then these girlfriends are like, why you gotta be a snitch? And, blah, blah, blah. and I'm like, you know that she doesn't know better. Like, you know that. And I'm trying to like diffuse the situation. They're like, who are you to tell us what to do? And I was like, I don't know. I don't want to be in this position. I just want to go back to my dorm. And while all this is happening, and it, get, it, it gets like a crazy yelling match. Like it gets so crazy. Like, I can't even hear anything. It's just these women are all screaming over each other. And in that dorm, that kind of energy is contagious. Like if you have mental health issues, like when you hear those things, it, oh, yeah, it can exaggerate. Yeah, it can exaggerate your condition. And like they they start having a schizophrenic episode, and then this person starts having an episode, and so you got all. I mean, it's like cuckoo's <laughs> nest. Like it was it was fucking insane. And I'm hitting the button, which calls to the front desk because it's like it's like four units in one building and there's a front desk and they're watching through the cameras, but there's no guard physically there. And I'm trying to call where the cameras are. And th I'm like pinning the button, like beep, 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 beep. And they're like, what? And I was like, I need somebody here right now. And they're like, what's the problem? And I was like, what, what do you mean? They're, just come, <laughs> just come. <laughs> and while all this was happening, I did not know this, but Margaret, like I said, she's blind, but she was feeling out, like she was feeling the wall. So she was coming out of her room, and feeling down the wall and going to the room next to her is where this lady she was convinced this lady was the queen of evil. And it's this old feeble lady that could not fend for herself. And the lady, the blind lady I'm talking about, she's old too, but I I don't know how else to explain it. So I'm just going to say it. When she was in an episode, she got that retard strength. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah. She was 71 years old, but I, listen, I saw her out the corner of my eye while I was hitting the button. She felt down that wall real fast and I booked it. Cause I just knew she was going for that other like, old lady, the queen of evil. And she was trying to strangle her. She had her arm, like she was had her hands around her and I had to pry them off. Like I, I felt, I almost, I thought I was going to have to break her fingers. Oh my God. And then she, I was, and I'm, she knew it was me. She heard my voice and I was like, Mark, oh, I didn't want to say her name, but I was like, you know, like stop, stop. And she turns to me and she, I, she spider monkeys onto me. She wraps her hands, she wraps her arms and legs around me and she starts kissing my cheek. And she's like, oh, how noble of you to save me from another murder charge. How, how sweet of you. And I'm like, I carry her to a room and she's like freaking out. And so just that was my craziest experience because I truly think that if I had waited like a few seconds and I hadn't, uh, you know, she intercepted it. that, I think that she would have, I don't I, know if she would have killed her, but she definitely would have hurt her. And she, she killed her mom because she's crazy. And she thinks that she thought that, that her mom was an imposter and that, that had killed her real mom. And she told me that the reason that she cut that lady's head off or was, because a ghost from the 1700s told her the guillotine was the most painless death. And she still had, she wanted to, even though this imposter had killed her mom, she wanted to have mercy. And just like, I'm telling you, it was crazy. It was hard to navigate conversations with her because they were just so like, I felt mm. bad for her. Oh. Like, what a reality to live in. Like you, like you, how, and she was just, I remember one time she was laying in her room and on her, she had her pillow over her head. And I was like, what are you doing? And she's like, I just know that I'm going to die tonight. And I was like, why do you think that? She's like, there's a sniper outside my window. I can feel his gun pointing at me. I'm like, there's no, there's no sniper. She's like, you're lying. You're lying to me. Like just, it was like that all day, every day. And I feel like things like that, like the system has let people down because, you know, I'm sure they committed a, a heinous crime, but they're, they're so not well that they're not putting on an act for you. Who's not a guard. You're another prisoner. And they, they are having a mentally, unstable and almost insane thoughts feelings so like 
there's something really wrong there and they, they could have benefited from another type of help and this, this what, isn't it. What, what's the answer? What help? Where do they go? What do you do? What's the answer? <laughs> I guess that's the <laughs> ultimate question. This is, and I struggle with this morally. I struggle with thinking of what to do to help these people because I, like I said, I know prison is not the answer, but I don't know what it is. And I think about it a lot. I think about it. Yeah, I mean. Sorry I f- that my answers are so I, I feel, long. <laughs> I feel like there has to be some sort of scientific study that they could volunteer to be used for. She and- did tell me. And you had to take everything she said with a grain of salt because, like I said, she was crazy. But I do think that some of the things that slipped through were true. And she told me that she had electric shock therapy when she was younger. And she's in her 70s. So I feel like that's very the accurate. The timeline would add up. And I feel like that probably didn't help. <laughs> no. I mean, that <laughs> definitely wouldn't. So it's kind of crazy to think that oh. I knew somebody that had, had been electroshock therapy. But one time, like I said, she she killed her mom. The lady that whose head she cut off was her mom. And one time, I, I you know, yes, they did something terrible. And yes, you know, I don't condone that, you know, what her crime but that's a human being and you know, human beings need love. They need love. And when you're in prison and you don't have family and you're crazy, you know, you, I, I want to treat her good because I feel like she's a victim in a way of her mental illness. Nobody wants to live life like that. So I treated her very well. And I did struggle with that. I'm like, does, does she deserve to be treated like this? That was a very conflicting state of mind for me. But in the end, I just treated her very well. And one time I tucked her in because she likes her blankets a certain way. And I was like, she's like, oh, and she's like, oh, how nice of you. And I was leaving. She's like, good night, mommy. Oh, oh, no. Yeah. Not cute. Oh, no. Oh, God. Oh, God. I thought all that's sweet. Then I remembered what she did. And I was like, oh, no. And then she, well, she, I know she used to say that she loved me and I would tell her I love her. I didn't really love her. But like, I just know that like, I can't imagine not hearing somebody tell me I love you for years and years and years. That compassion goes a long way. And so, like I said, I do struggle with that. My mom, like, and, you know, I talked to my mom a lot about it. And she's like, that's a human being. You know, you just got to treat people good. So, I don't know. Um, Sorry, like, this is, we've been recording for 50 minutes. I love this. Um, I'll try to make these shorter. So, uh, this next kind of question is kind of a, a, I don't know, they're kind of both on one. So, like, was there a head honcho and was there, like, a head lesbian that makes you their bitch? No. So, no. Doesn't people, exist. People think that you're. It's all violent and like you know, there's these badass bitches or whatever. But uh, um, not like ninety nine percent of the people are very, very kind. And there are like there are those you know bad apples, but everyone's very kind. And there were some people that had long timers. I would say long timers. You treat with a certain amount of respect. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, because they they have a lot of con- they're they're close with the guards. They have a lot of friends. So you don't want to if you do some if you fuck them over, then you know you've made a lot of enemies for yourself. So I wouldn't say like they're the boss, but being on bad terms with them would be would not be beneficial for you your stay. You want to be cordial with people, and that's also something that's kind of I don't want to like sh- you know go off topic, but it is hard when you are when you have bunkies that have killed their babies in very heinous ways. They have. They've done very bad things, you know, worst of the worst. But then you're in there and you're in there nice to you and they're normal and it's very conflicting because you want you do, you want to hate them. You know what I mean? But you you don't. And so it's kind of weird. It's weird because, I mean, these are the people that you probably the big cases. Like if you lived in Indiana, these are oh, the yeah. cases that were on the news oh, that yeah. probably got a lot of attention. My, and you yeah. met these people. Oh, yeah. And then there's a lot a lot of it you don't know what to believe because you hear their side of the story. And, you know, I know for a fact that the police 
documents are not always accurate because I know a lot of things on mine were exaggerated or, or changed or fudged a little bit. And so I can't imagine you don't know what the truth is because nope, you know, they, these girls tell you one story and they're crying and they do seem like remorseful. And then you, 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 you can read about what they actually did and you're like, well, what's the true story? So, um, but what was the question? <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> oh, who's I mean, a head bitch? Yeah. So, you know, you want to be on good terms with them because they, because they're in there for so long, they make their own families. And so if you fuck with one of them, you fuck with all of them. So that was, but I never had that problem. I got along with everybody. I never had one enemy. I never had problems with anybody. I was just very lucky in that sense because it would have been very hard. I made, a, I made friends with a lot of, a lot of long timers, murderers. Oh, that's crazy. My bet. My, one of my best friends is in there for murder, but she was just an accomplice. She was just there. She, if you, I don't know if you know this, but like if you see a murder and you don't report it, like you're just, you know, you're going down to, and you know, she saw somebody get shot and she was scared for her life and she didn't report it. And she got, you know, 20 years, 25 years. So, Ugh. but she should be getting out next year. I love her. Oh my God. That's crazy. <laughs> and she's been in for 25 years. To no, out. Well, she got some time cut. You have to do like a certain, pers- you, when you your sentence is not deaf, it's not set in stone. Definitive. Yeah. And so she did some time cuts and you only have to do a certain percentage of it. And so she and two be, years later, she's done. No, I'm she just ha- kidding. <laughs> no, so she's been in there for 10 years. So she went in there when she was 21 and she said, and now she's 31. So she's been in there her whole, pretty much her whole adult life. Oh. So, and I, I, me coming out after two years, I was overwhelmed. I can't imagine like 10, 15 I years mean, you, coming you out. I can't me, imagine. You, you told me the person that was in there that had been in there since before 9-11. I, I can't even imagine. I can't imagine coming out to a world. I mean, the technology's changed. Mm-hmm. Their cell phones have changed. Yeah, there's, a woman, there, yeah changed. there's a woman there. And she's like one of the longest time prisoners in like America. She's in there for a long time. And oh. then there's a woman in there that she's been in there since she was 23 and she's in her 80s. Oh my gosh. She, but she still says that she's innocent to this day. So I don't know. I mean, you never know. That drunk public defender mm, <laughs> probably okay. didn't help her out. So, there's no head um, on Joe. But there are like the li- the lifetimers that it's nice to have as a friend because it's just nice. It's just, you know, people see like, oh, like she's cool. Like that's my girl. Yeah. I, like my best friend was probably like, you know, one of them. She had, she had a lot of friends. So um, this next question is, um, I'm, it, I actually, it could be a fun one. I don't know. Um, what was the best prison meal? You know, like the makeshift meals that you'd make while you're in there. So listen, I hate cooking. When I got there, I had this bunkie named Janelle, and I love her, love her, love her, love her, love her. And she had she had done some time. You know, she had been dead. This was not her first rodeo. And she was, like, the best cook in the prison. And I just happened. Obviously, that's not why I was her friend. I would be friends with her no matter what. But it was just, it was kind of nice that I my best friend was the best cook in prison because she, so when she first got there, she didn't have money on her books. She ended up getting money on her books. But when she first got there, she didn't. And I did. But I didn't know how to cook. So I, it was kind of like, I paid for the food and she cooked it and it was like perfect. And she would make my favorite thing was like, she was very, very creative. And she also helped me budget to like, so not only, yeah, I was cooking for two people, but I spent less cooking for two people than I would have spent just doing stuff for myself because she helped me budget and she made everything stretch out. And you can buy like, you can buy a lot of basics. You can buy a lot of like spices and basic ingredients, pretty much any non-perishable you is accessible to you. And so, um, she would make really good fried rice because you can buy like egg crystals and it's like crystals and you put water in them and they truly become like scrambled eggs and they're so good. I would buy them now. Um, so we make like fried rice, um, these like bag, like really like hearty bagel sandwiches with like pepperoni and um, like cheese. And um, 
There were so many things. Um, I remember you telling me about like the bir- how they made birthday cakes. Yeah. So like, well, they used to sell sugar. They stopped selling sugar because people were making hooch out of it, you know, alcohol. But um, you can still, yeah, you just like crunch up cookies and you get it like a little bit wet and you can like, you can make anything. Like it is just people, people are so creative in prison. The things that people make, not just food, just everything. Like they MacGyver everything. Mm. So. What was like the big, what was the like most shocking thing somebody created? My, fr- uh, there was a girl in there named Freed and she was, she would make these cakes, but like in shapes, like they would be like these, like, you know, like a Hello Kitty cake or like a, you know, like I remember she made like a, a, a cake shaped like a, like a sheep for somebody. And like, I don't know, she was just like, her cakes were so beautiful. Like, and I'm like, how, like what? Mm. And then I don't know, my friend Janelle, like she used to make peanut butter fudge and it tasted just like my grandma's peanut butter fudge. Like it was. So you, you eat really well in prison, but it is you have to pay for you it. have to pay for it. And so bre- breakfast is at seven o'clock in the morning. Lunch is at 11, which is just peanut butter and jelly sandwich and like a ham sandwich is basic. And then dinner is at four. So if, if you don't have commissary money, you're not eating from four o'clock to seven o'clock in the morning. And I feel like they do that on purpose to make you buy commissary because you who who is not going to get hungry from four o'clock to seven o'clock? Yeah, I mean, they're doing it to make money. That's why they're stretching it like that. You also got to think like, especially when we were on lockdown, like we have nothing to do. And I think women especially are comfort eaters or bored eaters. And then also like if it's somebody's birthday, you cook for them. Or if somebody's sad, you cook for them. And women, like there's a, there is a sense of community with the women there. And like they, people want to feed you. Like that's how they show their love. That's how they show their affection. It's like, here, I I made this for you. Like come to eat dinner with me. Like that's what you did because there's nothing else to do. You had these little dinner dates and like TV dates. So let me tell you, this is not an exaggeration. There, everybody in prison, women's prison, is fat. Everybody in women's prison is fat. And Why is I was that? shocked because there, all you do is eat. There's nothing else to do but eat. And then even if you only eat the chow hall food, it's all preservatives and starches and carbs. And I'm pretty sure they put these soy pellets in the meat, and it's the same stuff they give pigs to bloat, the, bloat them. So when the farmers go sell the pigs, they weigh more, so they make more money. And so, and I think that's a liability issue because the prison doesn't want people to think, oh, we're malnourishing our, our you know, inmates. Mm, we don't want so to start a riot, it. so they want you to be fat. So they look, they're like, look at our prisoners. Obviously, they're well taken care the of. Sheets, Obviously, well. we take care of them. So they like, they make you fat. <laughs> oh my gosh, you, you mentioned riots. So like, um, do, uh, you hear in all these movies, uh, people are always planning on. How they're going to escape and break out and things like that. Was there ever, was was this a constant plan? Were there plans in place? No, no escape plans because I think people knew that even if you tried, like if you got caught, like you were fucked. There was a girl that escaped uh, Indiana Women's Prison. Her name was Sarah Pender. There's a book about her, a movie about her. Now she's at Rockville, but she escaped and they caught her and they put her in. And then she... She got time added, obviously, and it. Um, they put her in solitary confinement for five years. Oh my god! So, I don't think, and I don't. I I really don't know how you would escape. I don't know how it would be possible. You'd have to. Uh, I don't know how it would be possible. I mean, I guess it wouldn't. And then, and, and there's a lot. I don't know. I don't know if I. I think a lot of people have this hope, even people that are like, like you know, like double, triple homicides, like that are not going home. I think everybody. Everybody that has a long time clings to that hope that they will get paroled, and they and they 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 would rather be good and not get any bad you know any any write ups or anything or not get in any trouble on that one chance that they might get let home rather than like there's not I'm sure there's some people that have a mentality like fuck it I have nothing to lose but I think more it's more likely that people have that tiny sparkle of hope and they don't want to throw it away. 
Um, which is kind of sad because yeah. you know they're not going home. But they, there are people like I know this girl and she's she got sentenced to ninety years and she's like I I think I'm going home soon. Like I want to be a social worker when I get out and blah 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 blah. blah. And like you can't do those things. You, it, I, but 90. you, what am I going to do? Be like that's not real life. You nope nope nope. Your dreams are dead. Like I'm just like oh yeah okay. Oh. So I can't imagine clinging on to that kind of hope, you know. It's almost like um, it's it's like a it's delusional. Yeah, I mean, what what else are you gonna do? I mean, you're in there. There's there's not really mm-hmm. much to do to think about. All you're thinking about is prison, the mm-hmm. prison life. Like, they don't have an end in sight. Like, you had something to, you know, almost look forward to an end to it, mm-hmm. a countdown. And there's a lot of people that don't, and you do feel like a sense of guilt. Like, I'm going home and I'm gonna live this amazing life, and you you aren't. You are. They're still there. And it's sad. Yeah, it's it's crazy to think. Like I'm sitting here, like in this beautiful house with my beautiful friends and my beautiful bottled water and my beautiful jewel, and my beautiful phone, and I have friends that are sitting in their very uncomfortable bunks and their sweatpants, and I, I just I I think about them a lot. But there's I I I don't know. It's kind of hard. Oh, this is uh, it's just it's wild and. And when they do get out, I mean, the system's designed to keep them in it. I mean, yeah, recidivism, like that's a, that's a real fucking thing. I mean, th- if the counselor doesn't want to help you, you're going to a halfway house. If you have anything you need to pay back monthly, you need to have a job. Jobs are hard to get when, you know, you have a record. And so, I mean, it's really, it's the, the deck is stacked against you to bring you back in there and yep. just keep turning a profit versus actually help re- rehabilitate people and take care of them and and there are like a couple of programs that are in place and like i do think like that effort is being made but it's not enough okay next question what? all of my questions i combined there was one more wasn't there <laughs> there's one more that you sent me so um what is something that um people would be surprised by in prison i think it's like I was kind of talking about earlier, I think people think it's more violent, more gangster, more hardcore. And really, it's truly like living in a giant nursing home. Oh, no. Everybody's crocheting, watching The Voice, sleeping, reading. Even people even people that you don't think would like to read books were always reading. That's another thing Orange is a New Black kind of got right. I don't know if you've ever watched it, but like they're always reading books. Even like the gangster girls, you know what I mean? Or like they everybody's reading books and that was a big thing like we all loved to read i read 285 books in exactly two years oh my gosh that was down exactly two years like to the day so i read 285 books that's one book every two and a half days that's a lot of reading i know and i went to school at one point i I went to i took a culinary class which was like hell's kitchen it was really stressful and it was fucking awful but um i learned how to cook which i didn't know how to cook before i got arrested so now i know how to cook i know how to crochet i i started to, i taught myself how to draw like i started getting an art and then i sold my artwork and i so it helped i helped contribute to my own commissary money for a little bit because i sold my artwork i sent it home to my mom and she would sell it so i don't know i got i found a couple of new life skills there you go. <laughs> i figure you being in culinary class and you just like making a creation and you're going why is it spicy? <laughs> oh my god, I, I heard that all the time because like we made like we had, everything was from scratch, so I had to make like salad dressing from scratch and like soup from scratch and pasta from scratch and pie from scratch and I it, it is hard cooking from scratch is not easy. It is not easy, especially when you it. when you know that because we started out with twenty two girls in that class and only nine of us got our time cut. That's how hard it was. And you, you're stressed out because it's not like, oh, if I fail this class, like whatever. No, if I fail this class, that's three more months in prison because I had my heart set on getting out in December. And if I had failed that cooking class, I wasn't going to get out to March. I'd still be sitting in there right now. 
I mean, your life kind of depended on it. This was more than just a class. This like, was more than any amount of money that Hell's Kitchen can offer you. This was more than just learning. This was my free. Like, that the was three months. Your three months of freedom. So like that pressure is ungodly. I cried every fucking day. I remember you calling when like something didn't work out. Like, I would suffer because the way she talks, she'd be like, mm, "I know I'm looking around. I'm seeing a lot of people that aren't going to graduate this class." And she would like look you right in the eye, and you're just like, "Oh my god!" And she just did that. Like I think she thought that, that she was she was like fueling you with like that fear of failure. Yeah. But not everybody learns like that. Not everybody thrives in that kind of environment. You know what I'm saying? I was a nervous fucking. I was shaking all the time. Oh. Because I wanted to go home. I wanted to go home so bad. You do not under like you do not understand that kind of homesickness. I think the only other people that could relate to it would be like soldiers. But even then soldiers have a, 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 a tiny amount of freedom. You know what I mean? You get to go outside and you, you get to do things and you get to, but I don't know. It's still, you know, I don't want to get into that. I don't oh. want to be insensitive and make it sound like prison being a soldier is the same thing, but I'm just talking about that homesickness part of it. Yeah. I mean, your way and I get that. So. Um, I, I, there was one more question. It was um, about the, like, contraband like what was the craziest thing that people weren't supposed to have that you know you, they had you like you hear people sneaking things in all the time so, so a guard trafficking stuff in like they could get that like that, that you get in a lot of trouble you get charged you know what i mean you get criminal charges doing that so like that nobody is really going for that um so i never really saw any anything getting smuggled in a lot of girls like would get certain medications and they would cheek them at medline you go take your meds at medline and you cheek them and they'd sell them um, so that was pretty popular. And then tattooing, you're not supposed to tattoo. When you get there, they write down all the tattoos on your body. They do strip searches and they look at all your tattoos and that, those are fun. Um, <laughs> but uh, it, it was so embarrassing too, because you can't shave in there. You don't have razors. Ooh. And so you have this product called magic shave and it's like a cream. And it's it, it, the formula is designed for African-American men's beards. And so it's very, it's not designed for a woman's legs. You know what I mean? Yeah. And if you used it like, Anywhere around like your hoo-ha or your butthole, it started to burn. So I had a hairy butthole <laughs> and a hairy vagina for like two years, like a year and a half. Because you can shave in, tell me, why can you shave in jail but not in prison? I don't know. That's weird. That is weird. So I could shave in jail but not in prison. So can I tell you, like, that was like the first thing I did when I got home. I was in the <laughs> shower for like, it was like that episode, it was like that part in Jumanji where like the kids are oh sitting outside the door <laughs> and the guy has a long beard and he's shaving his beard. It was like that, but for my butthole. Um, so I had to do strip searches and bend over and spread your cheeks. And I'm just like, I'm so sorry. Oh my <laughs> so God. I would love the men's version of this. I'd be like. Ugh. You want to? You want me to do what? Oh my god! <laughs> you want to see what part so of me? So like, I don't. If people don't know what I look like, I'm a, I'm a plus size girl. You know, like I'm fat, especially now that I just got a. Used time. to work at Hooters. <laughs> so, so <laughs> yeah, you can be fat, but um, uh, uh, I don't know. Trust me, I know. My I've weight been to has, my weight fluctuates a lot. So right now I'm fat, whatever. But I remember one time I was doing a strip search, and she told me she's like, "I need you to lift your flap." <laughs> I was like, I was like, my what? Your flap. I need you to lift your flap. And I was like, it's it's not like, okay, I have a stomach, but like you can't hide anything under it. It's not that big, lady. And she was bigger oh, than me. God. And then later, I remember like having, like she, I found out she was my guidance counselor at Rockville. And I was like, oh my God, this is so embarrassing. She my has, counselor. I was like, she has seen my under flap. Like I feel very vulnerable right now. Oh, I mean, you know, that's a legitimate Oh my God, thing. I forgot to talk about when I broke my foot. Oh my God. Okay, I'm going to make it really quick. Because this has been on for a long time. I don't know how long we want this episode to be. Like I, I said, I I mean, well, some of our episodes are over an hour. But anyway, long story short, I broke my foot at Rockville. 
They made me walk on it for 16 days and I got transferred to IWP and then they finally x-rayed it. I went up there and I'm and it, at Rockville. It's called mandatory movements. You have to go to the chow hall. You have to go to Medline. You have to walk there and it's a long walk. So I'm walking like miles a day on this broken foot and it's purple and gray and red. I broke it falling off my bunk because I'm an idiot. Um, but obviously I'm not the only idiot because another girl did the same thing. I walked. Yep. So she, she broke the same foot. Same. She fell off the same bunk. Broke her same foot, broke the same bone. Like what the fuck? But anyway, so obviously I'm not, I'm not that stupid. They should be sued for negligence. But I had like they kept pushing me off and pushing me off and not X-raying me. And I went to the guidance counselor, the lady that had seen my underflap. And she, funny enough, she had her uh, foot in a boot, and she was like, "Well, I know it's not broken because you're putting pressure on it. You're walking on it right now, so it's not broken." Oh, okay. It, if you don't do the mandatory things, they're, if they if I if I refused to walk to that chow hall because my foot was broken, I would have been in lock and I could have gotten more time added to my sentence. I had to walk on the broken foot. What do you mean? <laughs> and so, like she's a doctor. Oh, and you're you're walking on it. Yeah. So that was kind of really fucked up. It really fucked with me emotionally too because I felt like I was being punished for being injured, and it, like that fucked with me mentally. It yeah. really, really. really really awful i mean that's just negligent on their part you know making you do something when your foot's clearly and then finally when the doctor called me up there like at, at IWP, when i had got the x-rays he's like yep it's it's broken he's like well do you want to boot i see that you've been walking on it just fine i'm like what is wrong with you people i you're making me walk on it i i felt like twilight zone like i have to walk on it what's wrong like what <laughs> I, i'm getting angry just thinking about it <laughs> that's great that's just crazy uh, um, and now my foot hurts all the fucking time. Sue them. Okay. <laughs> I mean, if you're an attorney listening out there and you <laughs> I wrote down like the chronological order of like everything, like who I talked to and who I reported my foot to and who like wasn't seeing me. I have it all written down. Did you keep it in your underflap? I sent it to my mom because um I was Ooh. paranoid that they'd find it in like I I if I have I didn't mean my mom talked about suing them, but I was afraid of retribution from the Department of Correct or you know, I was afraid yeah. of retaliation, not retribution. I was afraid of retaliation. From the Department of Corrections, I didn't want them to make my time harder. And I'm very paranoid. And I'm kind of like into conspiracy theories. And I'm like, everybody's out to get me. So. I mean, I think they are. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so. my gosh. Uh, that's been the last two years of your life. I know. So I just, oh. I kind of, I just feel bad. Like I've been talking about it a lot, but I, so many people have questions or whatever. And I know a lot of people have questions about like the actual crime. And that is something I'm not super comfortable talking about. Um, I don't know why. I just, I'm just not. I um, mean, it, it's kind of cut and dry. There's not a lot of detail to it i mean yeah. you know what i mean like it's yeah. not it's not something crazy i mean basically i was planning on killing myself so I, what 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 consequence could could scare me from doing whatever i wanted you know what i'm saying i get it so i was like i said and then i remember when the when i got turned when somebody called and reported me to my mom i was just like i was really struggling like 2019 it was just a really hard year for me and i've struggled with depression and suicide suicidal thoughts for a long long time and that's not anything new to my family or friends like everybody that knows me knows that but i remember coming home and the police had talked to my parents and my parents were crying and i'm like oh it's because they're obviously upset that i am a criminal but they were tears of relief because they know that of my struggles and they they were crying they they were crying because that because I, I was they were relieved that i wasn't dead the and that was kind of the reason that i I didn't kill myself because I saw what I kind of saw what it would do to my parents. Oh, the cr the crazy thing was so that's why I don't like to talk about it because it gets all serious and emo and, emo and mm. weird and uh, everybody expects this cool like Bonnie and Clyde story <laughs> and I'm just like, well, the the only the only thing that was somewhat interesting about the whole thing was after you confessed, the detectives from Indiana came to my house. 
<laughs> this and, is stupid. And they started asking me questions about and, it. Yeah. And I, they, and, and like you had already confessed him. I'm, I was even like, what, what are you doing this for? Like, she's already said, yeah, it was me. Like, you're, what, what case are you building? And they were like, does she happen to leave articles of clothing at your house? And They're like, looking for a jean jacket. Which I didn't know. What that's they, what I was wearing. I, I didn't know what they, what they were looking for. I'm just like, oh, like the police. Yeah, I better comply. They're going to tear my house limb from limb too and find yeah, something. Yeah, they did. They, they teared my room to shreds when they did a search warrant. They didn't find anything. I mean, way. it looked like a tornado hit it. But they they came over and they were like, does she leave articles of clothing? And I was like, yeah, she's here all the time. Yeah, she does. And they're like, does she have to leave a jacket here? And I was like, yeah, she she did leave a jacket. And they, and they, they both so they both like scooted to the edge of the couch and they looked at each other. And the one was an older man. And he was like, oh, a jacket. And like it was it just reminding me of this like great Dr. Scott. And we they were found looking for the, they were looking for the jacket that I was wearing during the robbery. I, I had no idea. I was like, oh, well, they want this. They wanted to know. They were so excited about this jacket. I was like, let me go get it and went into the closet. And they like on the edge of their seats, like clawing at the couch. And like they, they couldn't wait to see this jacket. And I pulled out this big, like it's like a furry. big fluff. I call it my Missy Elliott jacket. It's like big and fluffy and pink. And they were probably this so bright, big, fluffy, sheep looking coat. And they were like, oh, that's not, that's, that's not. They, well, listen, the reason they were so excited is because I think that detective. Like I said, how he, he gave him that choice. I could either go and talk to his team. So th- they, I was not about to get arrested. I don't, I think they were still building their case on me. And that's why they came and they were doing that thing because those people that came to you did not know that I had called the detective and said, Hey, I'm coming in to confess. He said, okay, oh. I'll see you in a week. So they thought his team, he, he did not have to do that. That was, that was an act of kindness. Cause oh. my uncle who was a cop said, you got so lucky. He said, I would have been on your ass if that was, if that was my case. He was like, he trusted you. And he let you have one week with your family to tie up loose ends before you went to jail. And But his team members didn't know that. So they were still building a case. They were still investigating me. But I just said, fuck it. I'm not putting my family through this turmoil. Everybody knows that I did it. Fuck it, fuck it, fuck it. And so I just, I turned myself. Like, well, they, somebody had reported my name. And so I knew that if they, as, if they invested and if they investigated me long enough, they would know. They, they're going to find something. They said they were going to ping my phone and see that I was in the, They said if I was in the, in, he told me that if I was in Indiana at any time during that day, that that was enough evidence. So I was like, well, um, I don't know if that's true, but that was like, that kind of scared me into like confessing. Mm-hmm. But like I said, it was probably a good thing I got caught when I did. Cause I, w- I don't know. Yeah. I, I could have, I probably would have died. But he did. Mm. Well, so, but well. then like, I have a hard time. So like I, like I said, somebody turned me in and I'm pretty sure it was a family member. And like, I know that like, yeah, like did it save my life or whatever? Like, I don't know. Like it's really cheesy. I don't have to talk about that, but I, I I still, those people didn't, the person that turned me in did not know that they were doing me a favor. They did not know they were doing something to benefit me. So why, why, why? What was the purpose? Why did you call the cops? I would never do that to anybody. I would never do that to somebody I don't even know. I would never do that to family. And I'm pretty sure it's somebody I was really fucking close with. And they're, I'm pretty sure I know who it was. And I'm pretty sure it was family. And it just really fucks me up. Mm, There's too many, there's too many details around that clue that they were the mm-hmm. call in that yeah so yeah well, we know who you are <laughs> anyway, anyway so that was the prison episode glad to get oh, that out of the yeah, way well, oh gosh well it's good to be back uh i'm excited for more, future episodes Future episodes will be more fun yeah we're more actually, lighthearted yeah well, we're just having jokes and we're talking shit about people mm-hmm. and um who knows? Put but in the burn book. Uh, <laughs> oh, the there's book. there's gonna be a burn book. <laughs> oh, but 
People, um, one thing that did not change about the world, people are trashier, trashier than ever. <laughs> they still are. Now, yeah. now you're just TikTok famous for it. Oh my God, I know I have a TikTok that's like yes. going viral. <laughs> we, we, we both kind of went viral yeah. <laughs> on our own TikToks. You're, yours well, for I, TikTok was not really a thing. Like It, it existed when I got arrested, yeah, but it was it not. It wasn't a big deal. It was not a big deal. And now I'm like addicted to it. Like oh, I cannot too. put my phone down. <laughs> well, we've both kind of taken off for our own reasons. So mm-hmm. <laughs> you, mm-hmm. yours for prison humor and mine just because I'm gay. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like I said in the beginning of this episode, like, I don't think it's funny I went to prison. Like, it was really fucking traumatizing for me and my loved ones. It was very, very, very hard. It was very awful. But if you but, can bank off of it. But if you can, if you can capitalize off of your um, off of your struggles, then why the fuck not? I've got debt to pay. <laughs> $10,417 of court fees and restitutions, but whatever. <laughs> Who's counting? Yeah. I should start a GoFundMe. <laughs> oh, I'm my pro- God. I know, because if, uh, if I pay my restitutions um, before the next three years, I'll get a probation earlier. And when oh you're on probation, God. you can't drink. And I just want to drink. So somebody give me $10,000 <laughs> so I can have a margarita. <laughs> That's one expensive margarita. I'll find, you, I'll find you a sugar daddy. When I get off probation, can we let like go so big because I, so here's my probation rules i can't leave the state unless i get permission from my probation officer who is cool as a fan he's so cool i just have to get it has to be for a valid reason and but this is for three years i can't have alcohol uh. um obviously can't smoke weed but the biggest thing i just have to pay off my court fees and once i get those court fees paid off i'm free so it's either three years yeah. or when i pay ten thousand dollars whichever one happens first we'll put your link to your um gofundme on every mm-hmm. tiktok video you make Please, I just want a margarita. <laughs> Buy me a $10,000 drink. I have a tattoo of a margarita. You can't take <laughs> them from me. That's who you are. Well, this has been a an, an episode, episode. <laughs> two years in the making. We've been so excited to be back. And yeah. um, we hope a lot of people that used to listen are still listening. Yeah, and I mean, like, and if you have any questions, I'll answer them, like, privately on Instagram. But I'm probably not going to do any more, like, prison Q&As yeah. or anything. But if you do have questions, you can ask me. I don't really give a fuck. Unless I, I find, like, a... Um, a male that's been to prison. I'd love to ask him questions. Ooh, like uh, compare Ooh, our experiences. I, I'm sure I can find one. I, I have a lot of friends. I just want to find out if he wants to bend me over. You know that song? Like, I got friends <laughs> in low, low places. places. <laughs> that's my life now. <laughs> that's, that's, that's always been my life. <laughs> well, your best friend. Uh, yeah, yeah, your best friend has been in some pretty low places. <laughs> oh, the, the, but the beer can't, the whiskey can't drown and chase your blues away. Like in the song. <laughs> oh, oh sad. I know we were at Meyer today and I was like running my fingers like along. Like, Mike's harder. <laughs> And I'm just like, oh, I just want some raspberry mics harder. Sounds so I just want Mike to be hard. Ooh. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, okay. Like, I haven't had sex in two years. Listen, listen, I'm listen, deep listen, this listen. mic. <laughs> I haven't had sex in two years, right? Obviously, because oh. I've been in prison. Yeah. I have, I have a diva cup. And it's like this, like, <laughs> plastic cup that goes in you when you're in your period. Yeah. And I used to love it, okay? Like, it's so amazing. It's so much better than tampons. It doesn't fit anymore. (laughs) (laughs) It's tightened up. I didn't think, like, two years would really do anything like that. But it doesn't fit anymore. That's a selling point, like a car feature. (laughs) (laughs) So now I'm just going to, like, save it for somebody that, like, like I'm not going to have sex with anybody unless I'm really into them. And I want them to like me because who's not going to fall in love with that? (laughs) That's a good selling feature. (laughs) Oh, I'm so gross. I love us. Oh, well, this has been Hot Tub Trash Talk. And we're so excited to be back. Thanks for listening to us. And here's to many more episodes. It's going to get real spicy. Why is it spicy? Because (laughs) Because why not? We're we're hosting. (laughs) Oh, we'll see you soon. Bye. Bye.